Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 178. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary, going to be hanging out with you for the training camp preview episode. Are you pinching yourself? Are you sitting down? New York Jets football is back finally with training camp. Players are reporting today. Things are oh so good. We'll get into that, your audio files, your voicemails. But before all of that, cannonball this summer. It's not about the size of those cannonballs. It's about making a splash with our friends over at Manscaped. Prep for the barbecue season by making sure your grill master has the hottest dogs this summer has ever seen. When you're at the cookout, let the meat speak for itself with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. It's time to get ready and not so much sweaty by going to manscaped.com using my code JETS20. That is J-E-T-S-2-0 for 20% off and free shipping. You know what? Maybe pick yourself up the cologne, too, because that's in my rotation. That is one of my favorite colognes to go and use. And fun fact, I am actually wearing it today. So there you go. I am excited to hop into this episode because, as I mentioned, training camp is finally here. It's been a long, long offseason. And I'm not complaining because, obviously, it was a good one. The New York Jets land a new quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, someone who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So that's obviously exciting. It's been uh, there's been you know a ton of things to talk about and a ton of things to cover, but I am just so ready for football to be back. And the videos that I'll be making will be on things actually happening on a field. Is it in an actual game? No, not yet, but it is still, uh, obviously, it's still going to count. I'm going to count it as, uh, as something that's worthwhile to keep an eye on. But I just want to go through and preview training camp and things that I think will be important to look for. We got official word that Hard Knocks is going to be in the mix. More on that in a little while. But here's what, forget storylines from One Jets Drive, forget storylines from Hard Knocks. These are the Matt O'Leary storylines. These are the things that I am most interested in, uh, in seeing in training camp. And we'll start with the offensive line, which is a no-brainer. You're probably tired of hearing me talk about it this offseason. I understand it, but it is going to be something that we are going to have to keep a very close eye on over the next few weeks to hint out where this offensive line ends up. So there is a quasi-semi-battle for left tackle, if you want to call it that. I won't call it that because I don't think uh, Mekhi Becton has much of a chance to beat out Dwayne Brown. I think more than likely, Dwayne Brown will be the starting left tackle. It will be most dependent on Dwayne Brown's health. If, for whatever reason, he is unable to go, then I think that's a time where Mekhi could sneak in and steal that job. There's no doubt that Makai has an incredibly high ceiling. The floor is low because, unfortunately, he's missed the last two years. He's played one game in the last two seasons. And to just say, yep, he's going to be back to what he was as a rookie and practically maybe even better because of the lost weight. Like, I understand the the weight loss, and I'm excited for him. I'm happy for him with the weight loss. Uh, I just don't think you could sit there and pencil him in as a definite Number one, starting left tackle. I'm rooting for him to remain healthy. And I think really the biggest storyline is not who plays left tackle. I think that's going to be Dwayne Brown. Instead, I think it's who gets this right tackle job. And I do think Makai Becton wins this job. That would be my educated guess. I think that I know he's pushed back a little bit on playing the position. But when you really look at it, he is their best option to play at right tackle. When you take into consideration, I'm not going to include Carter Warren because I don't 
look at him as a realistic option in in the short term at least. He's more of a developmental guy, I would think, and projects more as a backup left tackle in my eyes. But story for another day. Dwayne Brown left tackle, Makai Becton versus Max Mitchell versus potentially Billy Turner. I think number one, the Jets liked Max Mitchell from last year. They drafted him from a re- for a reason, and he was okay when he came in. Was he great? No, he he wasn't. He exceeded our expectations because our expectations were pretty low for a fourth round rookie who really was more of a project and probably you know was supposed to be a swing tackle. But I say don't sleep on Billy Turner in this competition, and that's not what I want to happen. My and that's not my prediction to happen. I, I'm gonna I'll come out and say right now. I think it's gonna be Dwayne Brown, Lincoln Tomlinson, Joe Tipman at center, right guard AVT, right tackle Makai Becton. That is my uh, official prediction. Uh, which we'll see how how true that ends up being. But the the offensive staff loves the veterans, and Billy Turner is just that. He's that savvy veteran. He has starting experience at both guard. And tackle. He has starting experience with Aaron Rodgers and is someone that Aaron Rodgers trusts. And most importantly, even more so than the Aaron Rodgers connection, is the Nathaniel Hackett connection because he followed Nate Hackett to Denver. It's not like he was in Green Bay this entire time and it's, oh, he's just, you know, he's just Aaron Rodgers' guy. No, he's Nathaniel Hackett's guy because he was there and started games in Green Bay when Hackett was there. And then Hackett takes him to Denver and he starts some games there. And is he good depth, and I, would I be okay with him having to come in and play, I don't know, we'll call it two games if need be? Yeah, I'm okay with that. But I don't think he should be the opening day starter, and I really hope that's not the case for this Jets team. I hope in training camp that we see Mekhi Becton come out and be a dominant player. Because unfortunately, even if you want to go back to 2021 in training camp when Mekhi was healthy before the injury in week one against the Carolina Panthers, Mekhi Becton did not have a very good training camp. Carl Lawson was dominating him day in and day out. So much so that they ended up having to take Carl Lawson out of certain drills so so that the offensive line could actually get the protection and they could run plays in it, which is crazy to me. But I, I still, at the end of the day, I think the most likely scenario and the best scenario is having both Dwayne Brown and Makai Becton both on the field. And then, you know, not really much of a debate how the, the guards are going to play out. AVT will slot in at one. Lakin Tomlinson will slot in at one as well. Center, can't forget about the Joe Tipman versus Connor McGovern. Connor McGovern has started for the New York Jets each of the last three seasons. He hits the open market. I wrongly, hand up, admit wrongly, I thought he was going to get a raise off of what he was uh, originally given. He's an okay starting center, and starting caliber centers don't necessarily hit the market. Some fans, I think, overrate him. Some fans, I think, underrate him. I don't think he is terrible. I don't think he is great. I think he's okay. I think he's somewhere around the middle of the pack as a starting center. But he gets brought back for backup money incredibly cheap contract for our guy Connor McGovern and then the Jets use a high second round pick on Joe Tittman the center and I like Joe Tittman a ton I think he has a legit chance to start right away and be good right away because of his athleticism that's why the New York Jets drafted him and that's where I think he has a leg up on Connor McGovern is I think Joe Tittman is going to be able to get out in space in this wide zone run concept offense and just be downright dominant throwing guys around with AVT and Makai Beckett. Like the, that 
from center to the right side of the offensive line, if it is Titman, AVT, and then Makai Becton, good Lord, good luck. Just put Brees Hall or anyone, put me back there. I could run the football and gain five yards a pop, I think, behind that right side of the offensive line. I might fumble when I get hit, but they'll clear a path, and I could, you could wheelchair somebody through there. Uh, it's I think that's going to be the strength of this line uh, will end up being the right side, especially in the run game. Um, and the Jets will run the football. They don't expect them to come out and throw 50 times a game just because they have Aaron Rodgers. That's not going to be the case. I, I think, you know, he'll live more weeks than not in that 32 to 38 range, 32 to 38 attempts uh, a week. And they're running the ball a lot as well. So uh, offensive line shakeout is definitely a storyline that is worth keeping a close eye on, as is who ends up being this team's wide receiver six. Is this the end of the line for Denzel Mims? Green Bean, I know you're listening. He is one of my most loyal listeners. I love him to death, but this might be the end of the line for our guy Denzel Mims, uh, who the Jets took in the second round of the 2020 draft. I was a big fan of Denzel Mims' game. Uh, I thought he was a late first-round pick, early second-round pick guy. He ends up going to the Jets later in the second round, showed some flashes, uh, then fell out of favor with the new regime. Uh, and now with Nathaniel Hackett in there, you kind of get two sides of the coin. One, the people who are still holding on to their stock and saying, this is it. He's finally going to be freed. And the other people are like, he still can't get in the good graces of Nathaniel Hackett and the rest of the staff. It's over. Let's try somebody else. Uh, and while that's incredibly harsh and I don't really like to necessarily word it that way, when Denzel doesn't really give you much on special teams, he's to his credit, to Denzel's credit, he has tried out special teams. It's not something that's a big strength of his because he didn't do it a ton. I think you are more likely to see someone who could give you special teams upside. The guy that I think is a dark horse to make this roster and potentially push off a Denzel Mims would be a Jason Brownlee undrafted free agent wide receiver, does have special teams experience, is a bigger receiver, so kind of fits the same mold that Denzel is and a contested catch guy, but this version or this staff's version of that player, for whatever reason, hasn't clicked for Denzel. Maybe the light switch magically goes on. I, I would hope so. I, I like the kid a lot. I, I want him to get a chance and I want him to, you know, be you know, be something at this level in the NFL, but it, it, you get to a point it's put up or shut up time for that 2020 class. And we'll get, I have more on that in a second here, but the the top five of the wide receivers are already set in stone and not in any particular order, but we'll go Garrett, Alan Lazard, Corey Davis, Michael Hardman, and Randall Cobb. Those five in whatever order you want to put them in are going to be the top five receivers for the New York Jets. And there's probably one more spot up for grabs. And I like Brownlee. But I'm going to keep an eye out. That's something throughout training camp and throughout the preseason. We're going to have to watch and watch closely who's getting the reps, who's playing the best in the preseason games. And when we're there, right, when we're there watching, because I'll be there for the Hall of Fame game, and I'm sure a lot of people are as well going to be there for the Hall of Fame game. By the way, if you haven't already, make sure to uh, come to our little get-together on Friday night. Uh, not that you could, but if you didn't know about it, I guess is the better way to, to say it. Uh, on Friday night in at Jersey's, we're doing a hangout for anybody who is going to be in the area. I'll put the flyer up on the screen. Uh, it is myself, Boy Green, Jay Gasman, and a group of Jet fans. So come hang. Uh, and yeah, it's going to be fun a fun time. I'm looking forward to it. But 
Uh, anyway, that during the that game, the Hall of Fame, and the rest of the other you know preseason weeks, I'm looking at that wide receiver room and seeing who who wins that last job or two. And speaking of the 2020 class, guys like Denzel Mims, Makai Becton, Bryce Hall, Ashton Davis, this is the last call. This is the last call. It is put up or shut up time. All of these guys are going into last year of their deal because uh, Makai Becton did not get the fifth year option picked up. None of these guys have been extended. Do they make the team? Uh, Makai Becton will, will be on the team in some capacity. He, he may or may not be a starter. I think he has the best chance to revive some of this draft class. But Denzel Mims, a player I was once high on, doesn't look like he's long for this roster. Same with Bryce Hall. I liked Bryce Hall as a starter when his first couple of years in the league in 2020 and 2021. Then they go out, they bring in DJ Reed, they draft Sauce Gardner. Uh, they drafted Brandon Eccles actually in 2021. And for whatever reason, the staff likes Brandon Eccles a lot more than they like Bryce Hall. It feels like. So could he be the odd man out now that they bring back Javelin Gidry and now that they add Jarek Bernard Converse in the NFL draft as well? Like Bryce Hall might not have a roster spot. He's good depth because he has starting experience, but there's only so many spots you could keep. Ashton Davis, I mean, he'll give you special teams value. But the safety position's another one, man. Like that behind the two starters, you have Whitehead and Amos. And after that is your guess is as good as mine as who's going to be the next guy up. Tony Adams is someone who comes up a lot. Uh, it could be Ashton Davis. Uh, but I, I don't really know how much stock I put into that. It could be Bernard Converse switching from corner to safety. That's something else that's been talked about a ton. Uh, but this 2020 class, it is... It's getting late early around here, as uh, Yogi Berra would say. It's uh, it's last call, put up or shut up time for that class. Zach Wilson. I know we don't want to talk about him as much as what we have over the last few years because he's not the starting quarterback, and I would you know, much rather and I'm much happier to talk about Aaron Rodgers leading this team. But you're going to be watching Zach Wilson closely in training camp and in the preseason games because let's be honest, is do you expect Aaron Rodgers to play? In the preseason? If so, it's going to be an incredibly limited number. It is going to be an incredibly limited number of snaps. So don't get your hopes up of seeing much of Aaron Rodgers. And it's going to be a lot of Zach Wilson. It's going to be a lot of Tim Boyle. It's going to be a lot of Chris Strebler. And to me, you got to see what the hell is Zach Wilson now in year three? Can he put anything together? Because consistency has been his biggest issue over the last you know, two years he's been in the league. He has talent. There is no denying that the kid has talent. He is just so had has been so mentally broken and beaten down. Can he revive himself and at least give you competent backup? Because no one's asking him right now, at least no one's asking him to be the guy that you thought you were getting when you took him second overall. You're saying, can you be like, I don't know. What's a good backup? The 40th best quarterback in the NFL, the 45th best quarterback in the NFL, and just be like passable? Maybe if God forbid Aaron Rodgers misses a game, can you come in, throw a touchdown, no interceptions, throw for a buck 80 and get out of there? Like that that's that would be the plan, I would think. And he at times showed that he could do it against Buffalo last year. I thought he played a pretty good game. He had a similar stat line to that. But then like you do what you don't want is the meltdown, the three interception game, or the I can't complete a pass game. And so now you can't move your offense and you can't function. Can he be a functioning NFL quarterback? That is something that we will see 
in the preseason, I think it'll be pretty obvious right away uh, whether or not there's been any sort of change. If uh, screen passes are getting sailed or skipped or throws are behind the mark, uh, mark or he's sailing throws, like it will be pretty, pretty obvious where he's at. And in minicamp, unfortunately, or I, I don't know if minicamp, OTAs, I guess is the better way to say it, because they, they technically canceled, I think, their minicamp because they were reporting so early. He had good days and he had bad days. So it's, it was the continuation of the roller coaster ride that has been Zach Wilson through three years in the NFL. Uh, and I, I hope that he proves himself as a QB, too. That make life a hell of a lot easier. They're not going to just cut him. They can't. Maybe plays well and they flip him for a draft pick and then sign Teddy Bridgewater, something like that. Maybe. Is that a good case scenario? But you might not want to talk about it. You might say, oh, we're still talking about Zach Wilson. Then we move on from this. You have Aaron Rodgers now. Well, as the roster is currently constructed, he's quarterback two. And you see a lot of quarterback two, three, and four in the preseason. So, yeah, we're going to see him in training camp in the preseason. That's absolutely a storyline you got to watch. And then the last thing for me is if they add any other bodies. They they signed Quinn and Williams at the end of last week, which is happy. We love that. Big fans of uh, Quinn and Williams getting his extension. Well-deserved. But do they add a Dalvin Cook? Do they add a Quan Alexander? I am all for it. Adding continued to add depth. Maybe the more so on, on the Quan front than the Dalvin Cook. I, I don't necessarily think the Jets need to add a veteran running back. They could if they really wanted to. And guys are, you know, Dalvin's not the only one. There's a ton of veteran running backs still on the market. Unfortunately, you know, we're seeing, you know, st- these guys who are franchise tag not get paid. So it's not going to cost you a whole lot of money to bring one of these guys in. You could add somebody if that's what you want to do. I like the Jets' youth. I think Michael Carter can bounce back this year. I think Bam Knight showed a lot of promise as a rookie, and I think Izzy Abanaconda is going to be a huge home run threat as a rookie. And Brees Hall is Brees Hall. So I'm excited to see if they continue to add anything. I would feel more comfortable with Kawan over Jamie and Sherwood. I've explained why that is. But they have the flexibility to do that, which is most important. And who knows? Maybe it's somebody else. I mean, we've t- been talking Dalvin Cook and Quan Alexander for two months, it feels like, right? Like, oh, bring him back. Bring him back. And I'm not I'm not opposed to it in bringing back Kwan or, or signing uh, Dalvin. But to, to me, uh, it, it could easily be somebody else as well. It doesn't have to be one of those guys. And someone could become available who maybe you aren't anticipating becoming available right now. So... Yeah, it's going to be an exciting time with training camp finally here. Players are reporting as of today on Wednesday, so you absolutely love to see that. And uh, yeah, I'm excited, and I hope you are too. Let's get into the audio files. I have a few things that I want to play uh, and discuss a little bit more. First is from Adam Schefter on Get Up on ESPN. He is talking about uh, the New York Jets are going to be doing hard knocks a little bit differently, and then I want to react to that. Well, again, the Jets fought it all along. They met with NFL Films and told them clear as day, we don't want to do this. And while you're all talking about the last time the Jets did it with Rex Ryan and Mike Tannenbaum, they were along for the ride. This group is not along for the ride. And hard knocks will not be the same because they're not going to be given the same access. The Jets don't believe it's humane to show players being released. So it would surprise me. If we see them this summer, this is a partnership. This is a relationship. And the Jets are not interested in being partners with NFL Films, no matter what they say. So they're going to go in there because it is, as Aaron Rodgers says, being forced down their throats. But the Jets are not going to provide 
the level of cooperation that the Lions provided last year or that other teams have provided in other years. And essentially, in the end, because the Jets were unwilling to go along with it and because the commanders don't have the new owner approved yet and the league couldn't go there, the league wanted to go to the Jets. The Jets didn't want it. That's why they waited until last week because there was no other option. And the league said, essentially, the Jets, you're doing it. And that's the way it's going to go down. There we go. So you get the little bit of the a lot, really, a lot of takes from Adam Schefter on that. And not takes, but just explaining what happened there. And it's not any new information. We all knew Robert Sala said it at the podium. He had no interest of, of being on that show. But I like the change that they are making hard knocks will not be the same this year. And some people are butthurt over it. They're all uh, upset. Like, Oh my, we want the full behind the scenes. I want to see the undrafted free agent cry after getting cut. Like what? Like that's really the thing you take away from the show. Not me. I take away the other behind the scenes stuff from the practices, the players interacting, the coaches, all that. Like, I don't need to get some kids or see some kids dream get crushed on national television in front of millions. And I respect that because Joe Douglas as a youngster was on hard knocks back in, I think it was the first year, right? Uh, maybe not the first year, but it was the 2001 right after they won the Super Bowl, And he was, he had to cut people because he was low on the totem pole. He would, you know, Ozzie Newsom would call somebody and say, you know, or let him know who you got to cut. And he, and he did it. He had to do it on the show. But Salah and Joe, du uh, Joe Douglas have made it clear that they want to change things and they want to do things a little bit differently and they want to be player friendly, which isn't a bad thing. Aaron Rodgers wanting to come here because of the players that are here and the culture from Robert Salah and Joe Douglas, like that stuff matters. Of course, now it's time to put wins attached to it. It's great. You can talk about changing the culture all you want. Eventually, you have to win games, and now is that time. This is the year where you have to go out and win football games. But don't discredit what Douglas and, and Salah have done in, in changing how this organization is perceived inside the league, at least. Maybe the, still the fans are going to want to say the, the same old Jets are just people who follow the NFL closely. But people inside the league, outside that one bozo NFC scout who basically, basically just said the Jets are the Jets, it's different. But vibes are different around Florham Park, and I have no issue with this. I think this is a smart decision, and I have a lot of respect for Robert Sala and Joe Douglas for making that decision. You know who else probably feels the same way? The players. You think the player wants to see themselves get cut or one of their friends get cut? No, we, we all know what happens. You don't need to see it. We don't need to see how they make the meat. It's It's crazy. Next up, I want to uh, play a clip from the Turn on the Jets podcast. Will Parkinson, I'm sure uh, if you're on Jets, uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, you know who Will Parkinson is. He does a great job with his show over at Turn on the Jets uh, and over with the Badlands guys. And he had John Franklin Myers on his show. And JFM talks about Aaron Rodgers and how he's already impacted the team in a positive way. I want to play it and react. I mean, it probably... Not too many people can say they've done that. Uh, and it definitely helps the morale of the team. It definitely helps even a guy like Zach. And, uh, I mean, shoot, just seeing the strides he's made in OTAs, I mean, he looks he looks extremely better. Um, and seeing these guys talk in the locker room, I mean, that shit is it, it's crazy because that's what I always, I mean, coming from the rounds of my rookie year, that's what we did, like, all the vets in the room, I'm seeing the key to leave and Marcus Peters and stuff, and they're talking to the young guys and coaching them up in the locker room. 
Um, I'm seeing Brock talking to me all the time in the locker room and AD doing the same thing. Uh, so, I mean, that's just what I was used to. And then you get a younger team and you realize, like, it ain't too many of us that can talk, you know, kind of out of turn and coach anybody up because ain't nobody really did shit, you know? And at the end of the day, like, you know, a, a player-led team is a championship team, and that's what we're trying to get to, and that's what we've been trying to get to. Um, the coaches understand that, and, you know, obviously we see what type of roster we have now compared to even two years ago, and, I mean, it's night and day better. And there's I love that from uh, JFM, and, and thanks again for turning on the Jets for that awesome interview. Good job, Will. I really appreciated what uh, JFM had to say, specifically about Aaron Rodgers coming in and kind of being that little bit of a vocal leader, because he's right, over the last couple of years, Jets haven't been super veteran heavy. CJ Mosley, the biggest vet, uh, but he wasn't there in 2020, which I believe was JFM's first year with the Jets was 2020. It might be 2019. No, it was 2020. I believe the waiver wire. That was an Adam Gase pickup or it could have been Joe Douglas. Anyway, that's not that's not the point of the story. The point of the story uh, is talking about how now they have some veterans in there who could help and get back to that point, like where he was with the Rams. And there's all these you know guys who've been there and have a ton of accolades in the league. Uh, and Rodgers brings that. And if he's helping Zach Wilson along, which that's what his teammates saying, and granted it's on a on a podcast, he probably doesn't want to throw his teammate under the bus. That's great news. If you get anything out of Zach, that's just an added bonus. But you want to make sure he's competent, right? Because if God forbid you have to go to him, well, I hope he's not the guy that he was last year. Another last last audio file before we do your voicemails. Jake Asman, the great Jake Asman, was on ESPN 98.7 ESPN New York. Love that for our guy, Jake Asman. Uh, he spoke to Nick Mangold about his former teammate going into the Hall of Fame. You know, before we get to the current Jets, I want to ask you about Darrell Revis, who, of course, you know, three weeks from tonight is going to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. First ballot guy. You spent a lot of time with Darrell. When you think back to his career, what are some of the things that stand out? Well, I mean, obviously, great player and, and all that. But uh, I think the biggest thing was the competitiveness. And I think that's what made him, you know, that much more special. The fact that he would go out and he wouldn't want anybody to catch a ball on him, even in a walkthrough. And so I, I think seeing that kind of level um, of competing, the effort to make his craft the best that it could be, uh, was pretty impressive. You know, you guys kind of came in together. You, of course, part of the draft the year before he was drafted. I mean, is there a sense of pride seeing a guy like Darrell go in, knowing that you and him were kind of the faces of the offense and the defense during your time with the Jets? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, it's somebody, um, you know, I remember when there was a time for contract time with me, DeBrickshaw, Darrell, and uh, Dave Harris. You know, we kind of got our own little core four. Um, and so that's a, a nice little bond to have there. You know, before we there we go. Love that. Thanks for Jake Asin for getting him on. That's a great get. And I like Nick's answer. And Nick is one of my favorite all time Jets, uh, you know, was with the team from 2006 through 2016. Uh, was a great center, multiple time pro bowler and all pro, all that stuff. Uh, I think maybe could be a Hall of Famer one day would be just absolutely fantastic. But for Revis to get in like. I, I don't know. The the older generation, I hated, by the way, the, the Revis and Klecko beef. I hated that it was, you know, the new school pinned against the old school. But for a lot of the younger demographic of Jet fans, like, you know, myself, I'm in my late 20s, uh, we had Curtis Martin go into the Hall of Fame. So, like, that was that was cool. You know, I saw T Curtis at the tail end of his career, and he was still good. That 2004 season was one of the, 
most electric seasons I've ever seen from a Jets player on offense right up there with Garrett Wilson from last year and Brandon Marshall in 2015 and all the stuff like that. But, uh, you know, Revis, I remember where I was when he was drafted. I watched his entire career. I remember when he retired and now Hall of Fame eligible. Like, it's different for someone my age to see someone go through that and like through that career. And we relate more to guys like that where I have no issue with, you know, people who are a little bit older and maybe relate more to Joe Klecko because that was their guy growing up uh, or Mark Gastineau or whoever it may be. Like for people probably 30 and younger, Revis, Mangold, those are those are our guys. And we were kids when they were drafted and we watched them, you know, grow, have their career grow with the Jets. And that was you know, that was really special. So I am, I, I can't wait. Once again, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be out there. My, I'll be out there. Jake Asman will be as well. Boy green. Uh, we're doing a little jet fan gathering on, on Friday night out there. Uh, but we got the ceremony. We got the game. It should be a really nice weekend out, uh, in, in Canton, Ohio. We let, let's get into those voicemails. Now we have a few, uh, to get into. We're going to start with, uh, Derek from Montana. He's ready for the Super Bowl. Let's, let's hear from our guy, Derek. Derek from Cattle Snellmon took me. Go Jets. I can't wait for the season to go. I've been waiting since 1969 for another Super Bowl. I'm 63. Let's go, girls. Go Jets! Woo! <laughs> I love the passion. Anytime Derek calls in, I just love the, the passion that he brings. Fans have been waiting a long time. Long, long time. And, you know, this is probably the most hyped up Jets team since that 2010 team where... They were on hard knocks, ironically enough, and they went to the AFC championship game again. And, you know, unfortunately, we know how that season ended. They lost in Pittsburgh on the road. And that was uh, as tough a loss as I've ever taken as a fandom of any of my teams, of any of my teams. But specifically with the Jets, that one really, really stung. That team, you know, felt special. That team stands out as, you know, in my entire 20 years of watching Jets football, that is my favorite. The 2010 Jets are my favorite team. That was my favorite season by far. And having this knowledge and be right on the precipice of it because you're going into training camp week of this year could really be special. It's exciting. We don't get a lot of those. There haven't been a lot of those. I have feel that way about you know 2004, 2009, 10, a little bit with 2015, but like, there was a nice, like 2015 and 2006, I put in as like, oh, those nice surprise seasons. Like the Jets, you know, stuck into a playoff spot when 10 and 6 and was a wild card team. Like, okay, yeah, that was cool. Or 2015, like, oh, pretty nice, you know, a little bit of a fun stretch there in the middle of the season. Uh, but 2010 was different. 2004 kind of felt a little bit different also. But this, this team could really do some damage if they get into the playoffs, which I think that has to be the absolute floor, right? And, Maybe do some noise in there. Let's go to Vinny and Peak Skill. He wants to talk about Quinnen and uh, Asante running his mouth. Hey, Matt. It's Vinny from Peak. I'm calling break of Quinn Williams signing his new contract. Sure. I am excited. In fact, I am so excited. I'm going to give the Puerto Rican phrase for pure excitement. Rip headphone users. Wepa! Uh, but now let's get back on top. I wanted to comment on the ridiculousness of a certain former Patriots cornerback whose name I will not mention. Still on top. 
out here bashing our boy Sauce Gardner, trying to ignore facts when they're not facts. They want to live in his own delusional reality. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, pathetic. You know, your argument is the argument is dead when you try to proclaim yourself as the greatest corner in football over guys like Revis, Primetime, and Dick Knight Train Lane. I mean, just pathetic. I absolutely. I don't have much else to say, so that's it. And go down. I love it, Vinny. Your passion. Always makes me laugh. The way pod was very good. I, I like the way pod. There was, so I've said this before on the channel. I used to work in uh, radio and one of the shows that I helped uh, produce and, and run was a, uh, it was, there was a DJ who would come in, bring in their own stuff, but it was, there was a way Wednesday segment where it would be all like Latin and Spanish music and stuff like that. And it was, uh, it was awesome. So love, love bringing you, bringing that in and your, your Puerto Rican uh, flair with it. It's awesome. And as far as it goes with Asante, look, I, I think he's nuts. He was digging himself in a hole, a bigger hole for like three, four days. Finally, the tweets have stopped showing up on my timeline, so I'll count that as a win for myself. But he is absolutely delusional if he thinks that he is in the same stratosphere as Darrell Rivas. That is just, that's ridiculous. Crazy. Anyway, we're going to close out with Joe D calling in from Dix Hills, Long Island. I used to work in Dix Hills. Here we go. Hey, Matt. This is uh, Joe D and Jason N from Long Island, um, Dix Hills. I'm a big fan. I watch the show all the time. However, we just got back from the bar. We're about 10 deep. And uh, <laughs> we were both talking about the justice here and very excited. We have a question. Um, we were thinking how good they could be this year and uh, thinking about making plans to go to the Super Bowl, just making that plan now. And um, the question is, if we do go make plans, let's say we just go to Vegas this year anyway, no matter what, and uh, we do go and they lose, is it a total disaster? Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, calling in there. Appreciate it. Hope you guys had a fun night. Uh that would be really, really like that would suck to see a loss in that spot. But that is a once in a lifetime experience. You know, that whole that whole trip and getting out there and being in Vegas and saying you were at a game like that is such a bucket list thing. I wouldn't call it a complete disaster that again, you obviously seeing a loss would be terribly, terribly, terribly painful. Uh, but if there was ever a place to see a loss like that. I think Vegas would be the place. I think you could be able to cheer yourself up a little bit or maybe even dig yourself in a, in a bigger hole. But hey, that, that is the the fun of, of being out there in, in Vegas. So uh, now if you're talking like, I don't know, you're in Minnesota and it's <laughs> negative degrees in February and it's freezing walking back to your hotel room, yeah, that might be worse. That might be a little bit worse, but uh, obviously not ideal. You'd love to see them win the game, but I think... I wouldn't want to go in with that mentality. If God forbid that happened, you could still say that you went and saw a Super Bowl, which is something that not many people could say. You are in the very, very small minority of people who could say that. So I think that would be worth it. So training camp's here. 
That's going to do it for the episode. I am so amped up about training camp. I hope you are too. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get the show. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary, and I'll catch you next time.